0: Welcome to the second season of the Mastering the Mind podcast, where we will now be exploring the exciting and fast-growing world of esports. We will be interviewing a variety of professional esports players, coaches, and stakeholders in order to better understand the psychological demands of competing at the elite level and the important role the mind plays in esports performance. Today we welcome Alan Regin-Petterson to the podcast. Regin is a Danish professional CSGO head coach for Team Endpoint.
1: Regin was a former semi-professional CSGO player for C-Play and My Revenge. He's also coached teams such as Tricks Esport and Mouse Sports and managed Mad Lions. So let's welcome Regin to the podcast. Goody, How goody. are you? I'm alright, alright. Oh, a bit you. tired. How this? <laughs> It's eight o'clock where you are, eight p.m. Seven, seven p.m. Seven, seven nice. It's where you are as
0: well, John. Yeah, yeah. I'm in your home country. Um, I'm in I'm in Copenhagen right now. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, 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 I love I love the city. It's it's so nice, but um, but the reason is because my partner got a new job offer here, so uh, so yeah, came All with right. her for for a little visit, and yeah, um, big city for esports, isn't it? Like. Very, popular. I mean, I've never
2: really been in Copenhagen, oh. I never, no, so I'd never really said much to me. I come from oh. the other side of Denmark, so
0: okay, yeah, okay, fantastic. Uh,
1: but yeah, no, let's let's get into it then. So, a great place we like to start with our guests is for sort of them to take us through your journey, uh, from growing up to where you are now. You know, who is, do you prefer, Alan or Regin? Uh, it's up it, to
2: you guys. What do you feel, is best? Okay,
1: uh, we'll, we'll go with Alan then.
2: That's um, for me.
1: You know who is Alan Patterson then, from from that, from then to to now. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just want me to go? Yes, yeah. sir. All right,
2: sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, my name is Alan. Uh, I uh, come from Denmark. Right now, I'm 34 years old. Uh, 2035 December, so stop counting soon. <laughs> I used to. Well, I've been in CS and, and in general esports for since 99. Was my first event. Well, back then, events like a basement tournament with uh, hundred people gather, right? Uh, and ever since then, it was just my passion to to play CS and and work with that. Um, back then, of course, it was not possible to live a of it of in any case or form. Like we had to go like fifteen years forward before that even uh, became a possibility. But I never really stopped it. Uh, stopped playing, and I just kept enjoying the competition of it. Um. But when you're not earning any money of it, of course you have to take an education and stuff. So I actually worked as a chef for three, four years, I guess. I might mix up the numbers here, but that's how it is. It's been a <laughs> while ago. Um but working as a chef and actually taking the the education in Denmark for being a chef. Uh I then stopped it because I got fully tired of it. Like you never saw your friends, didn't have time to play. Like your working hours is always when you have your official matches, stuff like that. So in the end, I just uh, kind of stopped it, and then I took an education in uh, in what we call a gymnasium, like a pre a pre university uh, study. Uh, okay. You have to you you need to to get into the university. Uh, so I did that while while playing CS. Uh, but again, no money really was there, and uh, it was just for a hobby. And uh, of course, a very time consuming hobby if you want to be good at it, right? So. Yeah. That's what it was and I then started on university to become call it pedagogue in Denmark like kind of social educator I would say uh, where you can work in like schools kindergartens with disabled people uh, drug addicts whatever it might be like there's a lot of uh, there's a very very big uh, variance of job possibilities you can have as you have the your your primary focus is uh, social psychology and stuff like that so Okay. Uh, during that time, I uh, it's like a four-year study in university, and one of my semesters I went to Philippines for the whole semester to uh, work in orphanage and write my what's it called in English special. I don't know what's it called in English actually. Like a paper you have to write, yeah. and then you get just thesis. It... Thesis probably yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, when I was there, actually, just before I went, I got an offer from uh, MSL and Glaive asking if I want to make a team. And I was like, nah, I'm too old now. There's no money in it. And uh, I, I'm going here. So, but it's going to be all right. So uh, I went there and um, and it just exploded. Like the second I stepped out of Denmark, it basically just exploded. Like everybody got paid like really good salary suddenly, like more than I would as a pedagogue and everything. Uh, but I already made the choice being there and I was like, I'm getting old. Uh, at that time, that was in 2013, I believe. Around that time, 2000, yeah, 2013 there must have been, because when I went to the Philippines, things start blowing up. Uh, of course, when I got home, I instantly turned on my computer and see like, uh, okay, they're earning a lot of money and I love this job. and I love playing the game and I really, really tried for... To, to sit down and ground and everything but with my study and everything i just couldn't keep up like you, with the mechanical skill and everything it was just simply impossible to to keep up with these young guns coming in and spending 10 hours playing cs i just couldn't do it and i didn't enjoy it uh, like sitting and using all the time on the deathmatch server or whatever you need to do to become like mechanically good yeah. uh, and plus my mechanical side was never my strong side in, in when i was playing i was always playing in-game leader so so I, I kind of gave up on it but just before I quit completely I actually got an offer from Copenhagen wolves who were searching for a coach it was just like one of the first coaching like when it just started mm. and I said yeah I had no idea what they're doing <laughs> and uh, but neither did the players right so they didn't know if I did a good or bad job so that's a, that's a positive I guess <laughs> uh, but but you kind of had to you had to learn the whole process and uh, the hardest part was definitely that you you were a player and suddenly you didn't play anymore and just watching these people running around and making mistake after mistake that you definitely wouldn't make yourself. And of course you would, like if you were playing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And you couldn't do anything like them, right? They were hitting much better shots and everything. Uh, it became a short uh, a short term there. Like uh, the, the team kind of split it up because I think it was Glaive went to Heroic and Snappy went somewhere else. And yeah, so... It, it was it was kind of split mix to this. So I kind of stopped it again. I thought like, okay, this is not going to get anywhere. And I think I got paid like 600 euro maybe for a month or something like that. But for me, it was really awesome because like I never got paid to, for the CS before, right? Like in a salary. So it was like really cool, right? Um, and then I think shortly after, actually, I got contacted by one of my old friends from Tricked asking me if I want to come work there. Uh and I said, uh, yeah, why not? And uh, I came in and I worked there as a coach for the team, but also in the schools they have around Denmark. So like kind of parts, uh, like it was mostly coaching, but I also had these few hours around schools, Denmark teaching kids uh, CSGO, right? Mm. Um, Until I did that on, for two years, I think, from 17 to 19, approximately full-time. Uh, and then, was it, I got, I started talking with uh, Chris and Kerrigan, and uh, I got into Mouse from there. And, and then it's where it really took, where my career really took off there. Uh, yeah. Like all of the, like if you, like the, the players in Denmark and everyone, they all know who I am of the old school. Like I played with everyone. I used to, like in game lead, MSL, Glaive, played with everyone. Uh, probably only Dupree, I didn't play with. I played against him a lot of time, beat him every time of course. <laughs> one time. Um but I mean um it was me and Hunden there who was really like the OGs and that style of uh, of, of in-game leaders there in Source and also early days in CSGO. So uh so my network has always been good there and, and people know that I have a lot of experience in it. So so that's I think that's why they chose me also in mouse and, and yeah. And now I'm here in endpoint basically. Like it's uh a little wobbly story, and road, but I guess that's how we all have it, right? So,
1: oh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> I, I am yeah, for sure, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so when you was like balancing those jobs where people were coming to you at the start about potentially coaching, were you having to balance another job with that, uh, to, for, for, for the salary, or and it is mm. that a common thing at the moment, like with maybe teams who don't have that high earnings that have to maybe you know balance um, a job on top of the coaching you know what were the for, demands for sure.
2: like? like when i was intrigued i I went from i think i was there part-time in the beginning so i could only be there in the evenings because okay. of my own job yeah. but uh, kind of fast got full like, i i kind of quickly got full-time right but you also have to think like a lot of people don't understand like they think they can come in and just get full-time salary right away but like they're forgetting that i have more than 20 years experience in the game, right, plus my education, who also can help there in that scenario, right, so it's it's not so easy, and you can't need to earn your way, right, because like, for me, I spent maybe like 17, 18 years before I got my first paycheck, right, and yeah. that you're doing that because of passion, right, like people, they expect to come in and just earn the big bucks right away, right, or even just like a minimum wage, right, But which you're not, like you have to you you have to grind your way through it right if you really want this um i don't know for yeah. sure
0: you mentioned your education and i was really interested to know how do you think your sort of education helped you develop as a as a coach would you say what are some skills did you learned from your education that contributed yeah
2: i mean along definitely along. like the personal relationship like understanding the dynamics of a team and and the whole the whole psychological aspects behind it, like why do people of course, like it's not like I was perfect just because I had an education, right? I have to I had to learn it, right? But I had I had an understanding of why this would have or why this could happen, why he might have reacted like the way he did. How do you deal with these persons? Because you'd meet a lot of different cultures, different personalities, you meet extrovert people, introvert people, everyone and you have to kind of figure out a way to to make everyone trust you and believe in the process in the yeah I hate this believe the process but you know that's kind of what they have to do right and believe in the culture and the team environment you're trying to make. Um so I think it gave me a lot of edges regarding how how the human mind works in the psychological level when we're talking within social behaviors within one another and especially when you're talking international teams where you have cultural classes right um so I think it gave me some edges there. I don't know if it did. Like, I like to tell myself that it did. It, yeah, <laughs> at yeah. least it, it sounds good on paper, right? Or like when I say that I have education in X, Y, Z, right? So th- this might be a good thing, right? Um, so. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of hard to say how or in in which facets is it kind of helped me. You know what I mean? Like, because there there is no... There is no like equation for it that can see like oh this this is gonna be good because of xyz right because it's completely different from team to team from person to person right um, but i would say that it gave me some something in the backpack that i can pull out when the one like once in a while when i encounter some issues or challenges that we have to overcome right mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah it's It's really interesting that you have that sort of journey because obviously as you know a lot of players when so when they retire they quickly transition into a coaching role so they don't have that sort of period or time to you know pursue further education so I think it from my perspective, I think it's a fantastic thing to have in your back pocket, like you said. Um, it can only positively contribute to your development as a coach. Um, but yeah, yeah I think like difficult. you
2: also need to understand that just because you used to be a pro player doesn't mean that you're going to be automatically a great coach, right? Like I see so many uh, forums and stuff like that they're talking about. For example, Stralis, like, oh, Sip should retire and become a coach instead. Like, like yeah, but Who's saying he's going to be a good coach, right? He's a great player, but who says he can do a great job as a coach? Now, I'm not saying he can't, but there, it's it's completely different ball game you're you're playing at when we're talking about being the mentor and coach for people and trying to teach them stuff because like it's not only CS is not black and white and you can always argue the way out of it. So it's not, in my opinion, at least in my uh, time as a coach, what I've learned the most valuable is the reflective learning. So you're teaching your players to be reflective over their own game and over their own, like basically every choice they make in their life, both a personal, but also in-game, right? Because that's where the gold are. That's where you really can learn stuff instead of telling you you're right or wrong. Because in the end, it doesn't really matter who's right or wrong. It it comes down to split-second decisions there. So the only one who can change that is yourself. And and that comes from the reflective learning part. So... Mm if you're able to do that, I believe you're, you can become a pretty successful coach, like in the end, right? But that doesn't mean you, that is what they need all the time. Sometimes you need like a coach as a hype man, right? So I need some more with a stress, with a strategical knowledge, with whatever it might be, right? One sec. Oh, got a little in my throat here. <laughs> so, so I think like that, that that's the, the difference between a lot of coaches. Like, I, I, like I hate to say, sit here and sound like uh Like an an arrogant fool or something, right? But for me, I I have the whole package, and I know that I'm one of the best coaches in the world. Because when I look at the other coaches, yeah, they're really good at really strong at one point or two points, right? But they don't have the whole package, and there's very very few people who have that. Yeah. And of course, there's gonna be people better than me. Like it's not what I'm saying, but people don't understand like the same, or they they have like a very narrow minded thinking about it, and. Or, or they they think they can do everything and and take over the whole the whole thing and kind of destroys, or doing stuff that they they're not an expert in. For example, like sports psychology or whatever, right? Or like psychology in general, because you also want to distance yourself from your team and stuff like that. And that's really hard when you're traveling with them, spending like ten hours a day with them. Everyone right? they do become your friends and family, and even as a coach, when you need that authority and you need that distance, sometimes it's really, really hard. That's why it's important that you have third parties, like a sports psychologist, a therapist, or whatever they all call, right? A mental coach, to come in and deal with these issues so you don't become too entangled within their personal life and problems, right? So I do believe that there's a lot of... it. It's a very massive uh, it's a really big area that you have to to manage and also understand what you can manage and what you cannot manage for example i know my limits within a managing position i'm so bad at that like okay. i would not recommend anyone to hire me as a general manager because i'm fucking bad at that job right <laughs> <laughs> but... yeah but as a coach, I know I can do really good, right? And, and I think mm-hmm. it's about knowing your own limits and also knowing where you're going to go for it, right? Like I, I, I were a few, a, a short-term short general manager kind of position in Mad Lions and that was not a good uh, idea for them or me in the end, right? And it, was, it didn't work out, didn't fit right because I didn't do my job well and that's how it is, right? And, mm-hmm. the, and I think that also turns down to where are you in life? For me, I'm not done with CS, right? I'm not done being a coach, so I found it really hard sitting down, writing emails all day, and not being on the server, right? Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I'm rambling a lot now, right?
1: So much, so much information. It seems like you have great knowledge of psychology. Like, have you had an encounter with a with a sports psychologist?
2: Yeah, I work really close with sports psychologists. Both I've done since I was a mouse, basically, like yeah. uh, trying to be really close with them and understand. Like to really draw up the lines and say this is my limits and this is where I go to and the rest you're gonna take. And if I feel like there's something I cannot handle, I always say to the people that they should really talk about this issue or challenge that they are facing with mm. the sports cycle Is because it's not like I don't want to help and I always want to be there for people. Of course, if they really come to me and ask me, I, of course I'm not gonna deny them or ignore them. But I always try and push them towards. The correct way, right? Because the worst thing that can happen is I give them a bad advice, right? And suddenly, I destroyed the what's it called, like the the relationship between me and him, or maybe even yeah. me and the team, right? And you, you don't really want that. You want to distance yourself as much as you can from these places. So, like, do do what you do best, right? Don't start to think you are something you're not, right?
0: Yeah. yeah we always go by sort of the motto is like, do no harm, like do what you're trained to sort of do it to avoid not doing harm. I think, Um, and yeah, like you said, knowing your boundaries, I think is is very key. Um, You sort of talked a bit about your sort of approach as a coach. What sort of is your philosophy or your your values as a coach? Would you say talk us more through that?
2: I mean, I work by the principle actually made by uh, some two ex Navy SEALs, uh... Okay. Uh, Jocko Willens and oh, I can't remember what it's called. But they made a book called Extreme Ownership with the. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, basically them talking about leadership and taking responsibility, even though it might not have been your fault in the end, that you need to take resp- some kind of responsibility in these things, right? Uh, I like to use it as a example. Like uh, now we're talking Counter Strike. Like there is two bomb sites. If if the other bomb site just losing all the time and you didn't you couldn't really affect that side then you have to be like oh it was also their fault right That's very easy to point a finger at it was their fault but what you actually should do is be reflective and learn into well what could i have done better to maybe help out my teammates so they wouldn't have been in this situation right or whatever it might be right so that's kind of my philosophy that i tried to really incorporate a lot uh with the team and also like really live by it, like when we are boot camp and stuff. And like, if there is some dishes needs to be done and say, like, I like to use like we, we also make fun of it. Like like who, who, like who who's cleaning and stuff like that. Like, like we're not saying it, but just do it. And then yeah. we're like, hey, that's extreme ownership. No, you know what I mean? So so we kind of yeah. make a little bit of joke out of it, fun out of it. But we also use it to a very extensive uh, way. um i i would i don't i don't know if that's my philosophy or something or what you say but that that's something i really really focus hard on to understand like to make people understand that they're in the end they're responsible for their own learnings right like i i it doesn't really matter what i teach them if they're not willing to listen and learn right so and where you learn best is from your learning by doing and Ooh. and but if you need to understand the what's it called in English uh the knowledge of knowing why i think it's called in english i'm not sure actually Uh, this is me translating from danish english so it might be a bit wrong uh but basically you get the knowledge on why the knowledge is good and why you actually need to know why Uh, it's getting a little uh... yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm really trying to translate it it's so hard uh But you get yeah. the knowledge about the knowledge basically. Yeah. And, yeah. and you understand why it's important for you to know this and and, and also how to, to to apply it, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um I would yeah. say that's that that's probably my philosophy or whatever how you can say it, right? And but I would say it also depends and change a bit compared to the now I'm working a lot with international teams and you have like oftentimes like four or five cultures, sometimes yeah. six even, where you have to to kind of integrate everyone in in that right and sometimes you have to bend the rules or like bend what your own what you really want because otherwise it just doesn't make sense or you're gonna get a clash between people or between you and some player and you don't really want that right so you have to be very flexible when working with a lot of the different nationalities uh, at least yeah
1: what are some other challenges you find as a coach um other than you know the different cultures what are some challenges you
2: run into I mean, for me, I, th- I think it's also my my lack of uh, my lack of training of being a coach. I think because everything is basically le- taught by myself, right? Mm-hmm. Or like I'm listening to a lot of podcasts from coaches and like uh, books, like from especially football the world. Like there was the some books like Eric Ferguson and stuff like that re- released, right? But it's really hard to. I think oftentimes when you hear about these things or read about other successful coaches, you only really touch the surface. You never really dive deep in why it is that a person thinks like this or did like you did, right? Mm. Uh, and for me, that's sometimes, that's probably where I'm lacking. Like, I don't always have the understanding why I do as I do, mm. right? Like, and I think that's something that's a very human thing to do. Like, you're doing this, you know it works, but you can't explain why. Or you don't have the knowledge of why it's working, right? And that's what I'm always trying to 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 teach myself, so to say. But that can be very hard without any education pers- in specific in that regards, right? Okay. Uh, so so oftentimes you find yourself in times of trouble, no? In uh, in what's it called, like in in, uh, in a situation you haven't been in before, and you have to dig yourself way out of, right? Or find material regarding this specific situation that you have to, to try and figure out. so uh, like lack of education you could call it at some point mm-hmm. uh, but it's also so unique uh, the way we're doing it because uh, a football coach or whatever there's they're not spending so much time like on a on a basis where we're sitting I say basically right now, this is how we're sitting basically eight ten hours a day, right, yeah. so you're really getting to know each other and a lot of talking right yeah you you don't get the same on the field and the football pitch right because they like they can only run for so long, right they have to have a break and stuff like that here there's no physical fatigue, right, so you can just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going right um so I think it's it's very it's a very unique way of coaching, I would say mm-hmm. uh, compared to the traditional sports like but of course you you can take a lot of good examples and the not knowledge from the traditional sports right which I'm also trying to do and trying to apply the Wine mindset right so
0: yeah that that was something I was gonna ask is like how applicable have the things that you've read in these books been to like applying it into the esports context because it's in many ways it's similar but in, in many ways the esports context is so different. So Yes,
2: I think it it depends on your perspective because you mm-hmm. can make it really different or you can try and make an analogy where it actually makes sense, right? Like, I, I, a good uh, example is like, why should, why do I need to work out? Like I'm I'm hitting hitches, right?
1: Yeah,
2: and like I'm the world's best player. Why can't I smoke weed or why can't I eat this pizza or whatever, right? Like, mm. yeah, you're the best player in the world. You sure? And you're shooting thirty people every every game, right? But, my question would be, imagine you didn't do that. Maybe you shot forty. Yeah. But why not push your like push the push yourself to the limit, right, to the maximum? And science shows that you're to be able to have a better concentration and everything, you need a you need a good uh, diet, you need to work out, you need to take care of your body, you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't do all these things, right? You should be super professional. those things are super applicable even though you don't seek for the perfect physique so to say right like you don't need to be in tip-top shape to be a good CS player we like you can see some of the players right yeah I'm not gonna mention the names but I mean they they are there right and and my question to them is always like well how, how good could you be if in case you did all these things yeah. But it's about mental strength, right? And and the will to actually want it to be the best. And I think a lot of people they're like, yeah, we all know this, right? Like you say, you have good intentions. You want to do this. You want to do that. Yeah, I want to do everything to become the best, right? But zero point zero zero five percent in the world will probably do whatever it takes, right? Because they don't understand what it means. Like just being a professional CS player in itself. Like you have to travel up to 200 days a year, being away from loved ones, being away from family, whatever it means, kids, wife, whatever, right? And sacrifice all that. And then on top of that, you have to also work out, you have to do all these things, right? And there's not many people who, who want to do all these things, even though they're actually beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we would see, in my opinion. Much more of like in the next five to ten years, in my opinion, because like then you get the new generation understanding that this is actually important, and everything, and hopefully there's more coaches in the local, uh, like in the small society, not society, small. Uh, what's it yeah, called? yeah,
1: no, that makes sense. That,
2: yeah, yeah. So, so you actually get trained because all of us who is here now, I'm a professional. We all taught it by ourselves, right? We didn't have anyone to teach us, mm. and now hopefully we can teach the next generation who then can. Teach the next one and grow up right and be, be become even better and do it in even, even be better than, than we 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 did right. So
1: yeah, for sure. I think I think mm-hmm. what I like about you as a coach, like what you've been saying, is you take things from different cultures. You take things from different sports. You mentioned the Navy SEALs. I uh, I also watch a lot of videos around the Navy SEALs. I have uh, David Goggins's book um I haven't had a chance to read it yet but he's a guy who inspires me I listened to the Jerry Rogan podcast of the month so I like that we had a Leicester coach on who also does the same he, he takes a lot of um different aspects from different sports and then applies it to his role um so I think that's key to sort of developing um your your role as a coach I was interested to know what as, as a coach what do you look for in your team like in terms of the players, what mental qualities would you say are the most important? And also, does it differ across roles in, in the team? So, you've got the IGL entry record, and things like that. Like, does the mental qualities differ across the roles?
2: I think, oh, that's a wide question, though. But just, just yeah. to begin it off with, I would say, like, what I'm looking for is the desire to win. Like, are they willing to win? Like, mm. if I'm spending 10 hours, I, 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 are they going to spend 11? Right. Like that's kinda what I'm looking for, right? Are yeah. they gonna try and outdo each other? Because like having that drive and competeness is, is kinda is the first step to, to be greater than anything. Like if you don't have that, well they, the the is gonna just take you over, right? So yeah. if, if I'm this is this I don't want this to be misconcepted, right? Because like I, I would never force my players or anyone to 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 do this sixteen hours a day, right? But I would like to see that mental strive from them, that they want to do it 16 hours a day and sleep the last eight. Right? Mm. Uh, that's not the correct way of doing things, right? But that's the mental that or that is the uh, the competitiveness that I'm looking for in my players. Right? I'm looking for these things, and I also tell my players maybe play a little less, right? Because you've been fucking you have like 180 hours in on Steam the past two weeks, right? Yeah. Playing 90 hours CS every week, right? That's mental. Um, Literally have people doing that, right? And we have to tell them maybe you should slow down a little bit and focus on going for walks, working out, whatever it might take, right? Focus on your social life, right? It's also important, right? Um, now cool. I lost your uh, kind of. Uh, uh, it's the mental qualities you're looking yeah. for, so. Yeah, I mean, like you, 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 you also want there different qualities in the end right you want someone who's calm you want someone who's loud you want someone who's uh, like leadership right you're looking very much leadership in your in-game leader right uh, the in-game leader doesn't have to be a strong strategic mind if he can lead the team and the lead, when he says go uh, jump they don't say why they just ask how high right like that's kind of what you want from your leader and and, and also, like, the, the clear hierarchy when you're on the server, right? Who is in charge? What do we do? When do we do it, right? And those are the things you see lacking on a lot of teams. Is like that clear leadership roles, right? Uh, where you you're never question everything. And, and, again, you can go back to the military there where, where they actually have it so clear and cut, right? You don't ask because that second delay can be the difference between life and death, right? And that's kind of how you have to see it as well when you're playing, because the communication CS is, is, is key. It, right. It's, it's, it's one of the most important aspects of CS, right? It's that your communication is good. And if you start questioning and stuff, whether right, the communication becomes bad, you don't know, you just come doubt, and all these things happen, right? And and then you have like the whole thing collapse, right? So you need a very strong mindset and a very strong leader in your team to be able to perform and collect, like make it a unit, right? And not just... A, a, an individual per, per performance, right? But in the perfect world, you like you you would like a, a good mixture of these things, right? And 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 kind of see things that um, that that coincide, but also actually kind of improve each other uh, be, because of these individuals, like yeah. or they are they, different intellectuals. What do you want to call this?
1: Yeah, no, mm-hmm. for sure. Because like after a round, I suppose someone who's quite hyped up needs calming down in, in, in certain cases and that's when the calm individual will calm that person down and vice versa when, when maybe you need hyping up a little bit that guy's going to bring that personality trait to the team so yeah that balance of characters is quite prevalent across um, all teams all successful teams so yeah no,
0: 100% have you found it hard um, as a career as a coach to sort of build a project with these sort of roster changes have you have you experienced frequent sort of roster changes throughout (laughs) yeah yeah. so okay (laughs) it seems to be quite common in esports as a general as a general thing so as a coach how do you cope with that how do you sort of build a project having to start from scratch essentially again because taking two three players out of a team is basically you know
2: yeah, I mean, like, them. like of course, if you take, like, two or three, like, you would like to say a core is, like, a three, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, if, so if you take two out, it's, it's possible to, to keep going with
0: the mm-hmm.
2: same systems and stuff you have. Uh, if you take three out, then it's when it becomes critical, right? Because you you kind of lose like it It also depends who you're taking out right because if you're taking two players out there's always working on this on on the specific side of the map you also need to kind of learn that system in this side of the map where if you have like three players most likely they're playing like on on each side of the map and they kind of give away their uh, knowledge and, and share the experiences right and know what to say in certain situations but i would say that it depends a lot on what you want as a coach like for me i came in very clear on endpoint and say this is all good and dandy the way you're playing but i want us to play in this specific system that i have designed because it's very easy to to take players out put it back in and stuff like that and that that doesn't mean that they they have to scrap everything else they made it's just like uh oh what's it called could you say canvas I think you could say it yeah mm-hmm. uh, like uh, kind of like this is just what we built upon and then you can yeah. just add things all the time right yeah. uh, so for me like I think it also comes because of all my experiences in swapping in our players right I wanted something that you could be kind of quote unquote universal and you could just plug players in and out and make it very easy uh, so I, I it's, it's not perfect at all of course my system is not like that but I know it just the job very well. Uh, and actually, it was Kerrigan from Mouse and now Face who inspired me to, to make this because his way of leading is kind of that. It's just his system in his brain, right? So, it, where he has it in his head, I kind of have them mapped out, right? So, everyone can understand where they belong in this system. Um, yeah. And they're allowed to do whatever they want within these parameters, right? So, for me, changing players and all that is, of course, annoying. But sometimes also exciting, because what can this player do in this system right and and where does the he fit in this system? Do you need to change the system maybe fundamentally you 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 don't want to change the system because if you do that, then you have to kind of rebuild the basic and right of your whole foundation so um I think like it isn't it is of course, uh a reoccurring problem that you have to swap players and stuff like one thing is if it get if a player gets bored or whatever right but if a player chooses to bench himself i don't want to play anymore You're just like well okay well i guess we fucked then right uh if i can say that word sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you dumb, huh? uh, they can beep it out uh <laughs> but like i i think like I think it's very situational-based, and I think also why you have these frequent substitutions or roster changes is because you're spending so much time together, right? So there's a lot of, like, when you have a discussion, a a nice and easy discussion can suddenly become super heated, right? For no particular reason, right? But if you have any brothers or sisters, you probably know the same, right? Like, oh, he took the last chocolate, or his chocolate is like... Quarter of a diameter, sm- uh, bigger than mine, right? It's like these small issues suddenly become big issues, right? And and that's when you need to have like a really good uh, culture within the team, so you make sure that doesn't happen, right? But mm. but I do think that is why you see a lot of roster changes, yeah. uh, left left and right.
1: I think that's uh, it's really interesting how you've created that system to play in. Um, it's similar to let's say we're talking about these crossovers similar to football where managers have a philosophy, a way of playing. And then when they make transfers or a big player leaves, they just bring that player in to play that role. And that's sort of the, their scouting in like, that process. So they've got a profile of player they're looking for. Talk us through like your recruitment process. Um, like when you're looking for players to, to join your team, what does that look like?
2: I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I, always like i've never been the strongest scout like when it comes to players like uh, i always say you give me any player i can make him good okay. uh, you give me a great player i'm gonna make him the greatest player. but that's, that's how it is right but you would like just to, to find those uh, rough diamonds what do you want to call them right yeah. um i i i just started actually trying to to make uh um What's what I call kind of a program that kind of, uh, like takes and works out of a statistical point of views, and then of course like you would need eventually an um an interview with the person to figure out who is he for a type of player, right? Because let's say you lost your hype guy, you then you and you don't have any hype guy on the team, then you don't really want some. Someone who's extremely introverted and not talking, right? Because what is that going to do with that dynamic on the team? So yeah. you kind of have that mixture in my that, that, that thought in your mind as well, right? Um, mm. But okay. Um, okay. I, I haven't really tried, like, where you have to go out and scout for players Yeah. before I joined Endpoint, and we were actually in this process. So that's why I've been trying to make uh, these new things happening. Well, I was
0: just going to say, like, the The job of recruiting is essentially a job in itself, right? So you must. I think so, yeah. yeah. Like,
2: yeah, like uh, actually, Endpoint had a guy working for them who was extremely good at this, like, but also spend a lot of time and analyzing the statistical point of view and stuff like that. And that's kind of what I'm doing, actually copying him a lot, like the way he did it, because like if it ain't broke, why why fix it, right? So uh, yeah,
1: you seem to sit. Sorry, you seem to sit alongside. And learn from all the different roles and sort of add it to yourself like with a sports psychologist with that scouting process like you you sort of try to learn as much for yourself which i find really interesting and and super good on your side that you're doing that um so yeah i think
2: you have to like if you want to improve in your life right you kind of have to to understand different yeah. things but like i am an idiot with my fingers and hands when talk about woodwork and stuff like that right <laughs> but when i'm at the my uh my, my friend who's a carpenter right like and he does things i like to do it as well right even though yeah. i have no idea what i'm doing right but yeah, eventually yeah. you're going to learn something right and, it, and hopefully it gives you some kind of skills later in life you can use also right um so. I, I, there's also something i'm trying to tell my players always like when they join this team i want them to not only become a better cs player but also a better person in real life like they actually learn and acquire skills that they can take away. So once their career is done, they actually can take these skills and use in different aspects in life. I think it's very important, especially when you're dealing with young people like sometimes up to 16 years old, right? Barely finished school and and has to just sit and play CS all day. And that all that's all good and dandy, but they don't know how long their career works, right? And and you want to be able to give them something more than just being a good CS player right because you also want to be able to have a good life after right and be able to do something else so for me that's very very important that everyone gets something extra Uh, of course you're not going to do that with everyone and uh, you're also going to meet players you don't get along with and you're even going to have like uh, bad outcomes with and stuff like that but that's just part of it when you're dealing with people right like you always this is how it is right so
1: Mm, 100% Mm. developing that sort of wider identity that's uh. It's been a huge part of my sort of research as a sports psychologist is the wider identity, developing that, whether they're cut from a team or when they retire, they need something or the interest outside of what they're just doing um, to fall back on uh, and also to switch off, which is another question I wanted to ask you about, you know, how do you switch off from your role? It seems like you're very (laughs) always firing, always working. Like, Uh, you're not not even taking holiday right now. I I mean... uh,
2: yeah, for yeah. me, I'm actually, like, I have a very, very hard time switching off. Yeah. Uh, like, l- l- luckily, I have, like, a very understanding wife. I have two lovely kids. So I, I, when I go away from the computer, I try to switch off as much as possible. But sadly, we have this called mobile phone, right? So ding, 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 all the time, uh, WhatsApp or whatever from players, uh, the endpoint is self-organization, whatever it might be, right? There's always something, always something lurking around the corner that you want to deal with, so personally, I have a really hard time switching off. Normally, I do it, like, when I'm out with my kids, or uh, just simply switching up by playing something completely different game or something, right? Like, so you just, you, you can't really focus on that right now, right? So, yeah. Um, But personally I, I i can't just switch it off like it's it's really difficult like even when i go to bed suddenly i'm lying there thinking about something and see so is like oh that'd be cool to do this or that or maybe you can do this or like and i have to write it down on my phone and then switch it off and then hopefully i can fall asleep right so um yeah. but yeah that's something i struggle with a lot uh, for sure like personally at least
1: mm. something i've done in my personal life is i've got two phones now. So I have a work phone where all business contacts and people trying to get in touch with me about work is on that phone. And then I have a personal phone with just, you know, friends and family. And in case of emergency, that's always on me. but I think on weekends and certain times in the evening, I'll just put that in a drawer away on charge in my office and, uh, take that time to switch off. Cause I was the same, Like I really found it hard to switch off. Um, people constantly texting me even when i'm on holiday like i really struggled with that <laughs> and it, it was taking like a it. real mental toll on me and i was burning out as well so that's maybe something to consider for yourself i, mean. I,
2: I, I did so um like what's it called like you can put on some focus or something on iphone where you like kind of you don't get any notifications between a certain time period so mm. i'm doing that or i'm simply just leaving my phone somewhere where i don't know where it is almost. Yeah, or yeah. I ask my wife to, to hide it from me then it's fine <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: what about this perspective so as sports psychologists for us as our role it's there's a lot of research being done on self-care uh, researchers have suggested that if you don't engage in sort of self-care practices you're actually not you can't provide the same service as if you uh like if you like were burnt out for example in a sense so you have a ethical mandate you're ethic ethically obligated to take that time for yourself because you need to perform at your best level do you think that sort of perspective do you think that could work in a in the coaching sense is there anything that you potentially could use from that sort of perspective
2: or i i I think like no matter what you do if you do something too much you're eventually gonna burn out and not do it good anymore, right? So it's important that you know when to switch up, what to do or stuff like that, right? So um it, like it's fairly easy for me because I have kids, right? So whenever I'm not working, I'm with them, right? So I'm automatically kind of switched off there, right? I'm not doing yeah. anything else, right? Like the harder part is in the evening when the wife wants to watch a movie or something, I'm like uh there's the computer in here, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah i that's a struggle <laughs> we have more than than it is with yeah. the kids and all that, right? So uh I would say i'm I'm fairly good at switching off when I need to like going on mm-hmm. holiday or whatever and switching off and just leave my phone my if you ask my wife, I'm definitely not uh mm-hmm. but in my own uh mind I am yeah. A- and i I know when to when enough is enough like when I've been sitting here this sounds weird, but when I've been sitting here now I started cs this morning at ten am approximately and we just finished here at seven am 7pm uh, sorry uh, we had two hours break in between so I did some lunch there and now when they finish this podcast they're probably going to go play some CS right but okay. that's kind of recreational for me that's not yeah. as a work for me that's just because I like to play right I'm mm. playing with some old uh, Danish friends and stuff I just sitting having fun right but that's a different aspect of it than, than sitting and really focusing on your work right yeah. even though those two can actually cooperate sometimes
1: no, yeah. I, uh, me and John always try and find time to uh, fit in a bit of gaming, uh, usually on the weekends. But I, I sort of find it as time to maybe just escape reality and just uh, put the headset on and lose yourself in the game. That's why I love gaming so much. Um, but John mentioned like, performing at your very best. And uh, I wanted to talk about a specific time during your coaching career, um, around late 2019, where you'd won the ESL Pro League. Um, season ten, uh, you won two hundred fifty thousand, and then again in that was in November, and then December you, you won again against uh, Fnatic three zero, um, same prize money. Like, why were you so successful during this period? Would you say?
2: I think it was a mixture of things. Like, uh, we just uh, I, I, I like the, the credit goes to to Ker- Ker- they there also the in game leader like. Uh, he switched uh, some roles around. We like, we were not winning as we were expect. Not, I don't. I don't want to say we were expected to win because we were not like this superstar team, like you see other teams have, right? Uh, but we had really good players, and and we also should win the tournaments here, here and there, right? Uh, we then lost the major qualifier or something like that. just before the Latin States. We were knocked out. Uh, from Vitality, I think it was in Berlin, and it was really bummed out, of course. And uh, but we also we look back; we were pretty happy. We were playing pretty well and all that, right? Mm. Uh, then the next event, we just got knocked out like instantly. It was in Turkey, I series something, uh, and we took a long uh, talk about this, and for a long time, I I said that I wanted people to to work when I say harder it's actually meant smarter like like I want them to use time for analyzing your opponent sitting down using time spending time understanding what they are about to be faced with because normally I did everything which is I'm fine with it's not that but if I'm telling you to play in a certain way maybe you don't like to play that way I just wasted an hour basically right like it's like okay well super Uh, and after that Tournament in Turkey, I was. We were like something has to happen and change, or, or we have to change the players. Like this is as simple as that, right? And I was putting really hard down that we should focus more on this and be better prepared as individuals, not only on a team level but also on an individual level. And uh, everybody started doing it, and we changed roles in the team. Kerrigan changed the roles with the Chris and Frozen we had back then, and uh, I think everything just could like it just went up in a higher unit you know like everyone started to see the benefits I guess right and and I saw after they saw and they got some like some success with preparing and actually putting in the extra work for themselves it kind of it kind of gave the the, it's like the snowball running right like you, you actually saw that there was some benefit to it and I think it just all coincided and, and we just had a good run that uh, moment that time.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, plus, like people were also playing really well individually, right? So, yeah. Uh, okay. Um...
0: Yeah, I was just going to say um, <laughs> it's getting late. So, sort of, hey, no last co- yes, last, last question for you is what is next? So, you've had a fantastic career, you know, in CS as a coach. So, what is next for you, would you say? Where, yeah.
2: Well, right now, I'm not stopping anywhere soon. Like, I need to, to be back to to all the biggest tournaments. I need to win trophies again. That's what I want. I know I have the the, the skill set to do it. Um, it's just a matter of time, I would guess. Uh, like, that I guess I, I would say, like, right now in Endpoint, I'm in a very comfortable spot. I need to kind of rebuild myself, refocus to see, like, but I'll, like to see where I'm going, but also maybe to test some things out that you're not really able to do on these biggest teams, right? Like where you are on the biggest team, you just need to win, 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 right? There is no excuse, there's nothing else, right? For us right now, it's about improvement, right? And alongside this improvement, there is time and there is a place for experimenting with new stuff. Like it could be a new a new style of playing in CS, like a, doing something that sounds ludicrous. When you say it, but it actually works really well, right? And and so so these things, I'm I'm trying to focus on a lot, like to to see like if there is something where you could break the meta, break the game, and then like these things, like um, I'm trying to figure out an analogy from a oh you can say from the basketball, right? From NBA, if you take NBA in in the nineties, I was a huge fan of that, right? kill O'Neal, the Bulls, everyone, right? Yeah, it was a lot of like dunkings, two pointers, constantly layups, right? Nowadays, it's just um, three point, three point, three point, right? All the time. And I think that's the best way you can actually compare it, that, that I'm trying to look for this new three pointer in, in CS constantly, right? And I spend so much time on the server just bullshitting it around where 90% of what you're doing is just a waste of time. And then you find that one or 2% that is insane and can change something within a, uh, within a map or something. Yeah. Uh, those are the things that I really like to do and and I enjoy to and and I want to keep doing right and I would say that's also some why we like that was my contribution probably the most in mouse when we won all these tournaments was that I found all these small gimmicky plays that we could do and help us a lot of these like it, it's always been my strength to 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 f- 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 fool 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 around and get something good out of the end right so.
1: Yeah, the Steph Curry of CSGO. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But as sort of a a final sort of segment, uh, we've got a new segment in season two of this podcast, specifically esports, where we ask the previous guest to ask the current guest a question. Uh Last week, we had Goose Breeder on, um, a Canadian professional CSGO player uh, for CLG Red. And she asked, what sets you apart from everybody else?
2: Hmm. Uh, and i want to not sound too corny here No, <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean like i, I think like I, I i have not like there's not many who wants to sacrifice and do the same thing that i would do and actually does right now with two kids uh being away for a longer period of time accepting it not crying about it uh, but understand that this is the career path you've chosen and you took and you want to be the best in it Uh, for me that's probably my my ego in that sense and I think that's what sets me apart a lot of things because in Denmark we have this saying that you cannot believe that you're better than anyone else and I definitely believe I'm better than anyone else, and I think that's what set me apart from a lot of other people. and And I think that's also one of my strengths as a coach, like to have this high regard and believe in myself to to kind of show that to your players that it's okay to have and not do right, and have this confidence in yourself and what you're what you're able to do and what you can do right. And that's for me is something that I'm proud of to have.
1: Yeah, at least. Uh, yeah I of that. It's it's very common across the very elite. Across all sports. So, uh, yeah, I rate that. What's sort of your question for the next guest? And we don't normally reveal the identity. Um, Just go in blindly. What would you ask our next guest?
0: You can have time to think about it if you need, but.
2: Uh, In your height of your career, is there something you would have changed?
0: Ooh, okay. I'll write it down. That's great. That's
2: something. I always ask myself when after a big win or whatever it is.
1: It's uh it's quite unique to reflect on the the very highs because normally you reflect on the lows. So that's an interesting question. I think it uh bring it. It's
2: very important to reflect on the highs. That's where yeah. you learn the most.
1: Okay, I'll rate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thanks so much for coming on and sharing some time. You're I welcome. We really appreciate it. have uh, I've really You're enjoyed welcome. it.
2: Me too. I love talking. So, uh, well, not only talking, but uh, talking ideas and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, All right, but yeah. We hope you can enjoyed I, this episode. Okay, can I ask you a question after? I don't know if you're, well, you want to wrap it up first. Or... He's gonna uh, do a little
0: in out. Or don't ask. You can uh, ask now. He's gonna do a little yeah. outro. He has Let's little do the outro actually. first,
2: and then uh, <laughs> okay. you can yeah. cut it out. Just after. in case it's
1: a <laughs> d- difficult question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could please share this with your friends or someone you feel will benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future. Also, go follow us on Twitter, and Instagram. Links will be in the description of the YouTube video. Or we'll find us at Master in the Mind podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.